Amen. Would you pray with me for a moment? Father, we thank you again for allowing us to be here in this place. We thank you so much for what you're doing. And God, I'm coming to you specifically, oh God, asking you to give me exactly what you want me to say today, oh God, and the courage to say what you want me to say, Lord. Lord, as we continue to indulge in your word and talk about the things that we need to put back into perspective, oh God, seeing things as you see them in this life. God, we thank you. We praise you for everything, for victory in Jesus' name. Talking about relationship, and I am going to be treading, I feel, on some sacred ground. And um, for some of us, it may be a little rough, and I'm going to take my time because I think this is very, very important. If you understand anything about me, just know that what I'm saying, what I'm going to say, what I'm going to present is all in love. But I believe that God is going to be calling out some things as we discuss this next area of our lesson, putting life back into perspective. Relationship is really part of or at the core of who we are as humans. God has put in us a natural hunger for fellowship and to connect with others or to connect with something or someone other than ourselves. And so when we're talking about relationships, we, we kind of pointed out the definition last week about the way that two or more people, groups or countries talk to, behave toward and deal with each other. And it also says the way in which two or more people or things are connected. So the word relationship is commonly associated with marriage, family, friendship, and dating. And some people would even classify the connection between two business partners as a relationship. Hopefully you will bear with me. I'm going to try not to get too excited. Uh, This morning uh, and hopefully you will take in what's being said a lot of times like I tell my children I'm not equating y'all to children by any means but a lot of times I tell them pay attention because God is always trying to reach out to our needs and if we're not careful some things can distract us it's really the enemy's intent to distract us from what God wants us to know because those are the things that's going to help us grow amen So we don't want to be distracted. Amen. Relationship, that connection between two or more people. But I'm going to be delving into specifically marriage. Because in the scripture you'll find a relation between the concept of marriage between man and woman. And of course between the church and Christ. Amen. And if we are to be effective as a church, we've got to deal with some of these what we call practical situations. First and foremost, I have to point out the fact that marriage is not something that man developed. Our marriage is something that was designed by God. 
So let's establish that first and foremost, because in our society today, we have gone very far and it would seem that we have taken control of what marriage is. We have we are in the point where we are redefining marriage. So it is very important. The Bible lets us know in the beginning Genesis chapter 2, I believe it is, at the very end, the Bible talks about how God brought Eve to Adam. And he says in there that the man shall leave his mother and his father. So for all the men in the world that's still living with their parents, at some point they're going to have to grow up and take responsibility and start being what God has called them to be. It was never designed for the man to sit under their parents for years to come. You 80 years old still sitting at home, something is wrong. Now, if you've got a disability, I I know there's some exceptions. But you're well able, you're capable of going out and doing, you need to get off of your behind and go do something with your life. Now, I told y'all, this is, I know it's a sacred territory, but y'all just bear with me. Because we are dealing, this is real stuff that's happening. We've got to, if I could say this, I'm, I'm going to try to, like I told you, I'm going to try to refrain myself here, but we've got a lot of men in our society today that are not real men. The world is indoctrinating our men to become feminine. The word I would like to say, I'm not going to say because I don't feel like it's an appropriate word. And I don't use that word, really. So, but you can imagine. But our society is lacking men. Now, while we are on that subject, let's talk about a man and a woman. First of all, let me point out something that's from your medical history. Medical research would show. For all those that try to paint a different picture, and we know that concept comes from the enemy about your gender, and they they really distinguish between gender and sex. So they say your sex is your physiological makeup, and your gender is based upon what you believe yourself to be. This is what they're putting out. Now, last time I checked, those two terms meant the same thing at one point. If someone were to ask you back in the day, or you fill out an application, if one application said gender, the other one said sex, you would automatically know you're talking about male or female. But they are redefining that today. Now, biologically, they tell you, that when a man produces this seed, he, there are two different chromosomes that they have, X and Y. Now, they say the female has only one, 
but the male has both. Now, they don't coexist in one seed. Each seed represents a different chromosome. So you have a mixture of X's and Y's. The Y's are boys, and the X's are girls, male and female. This is the way God designed it to be. So in its purest state, this is what you get, either or. Everybody with me? And whichever one is able to penetrate through the egg of the female, the research says that once one has penetrated, and sometimes you may get multiple that penetrate at the same time, but whenever that penetration happens, the egg automatically forms itself so that none other can get in. So now from that point... Whichever one is penetrated, that's the sex of that fetus. Male or female. You don't get a mixture. Now, I know there are some deformities that happen, physical deformities, so on and so forth. But at the end of the day, you have either X or Y. Okay? So, why do I bring that up? This whole crazy chaos, confusion that comes from Satan about people born gay. Now, before I talk on this, let me make sure I make myself clear. We don't hate homosexuals. I believe I'm in line as I'm speaking. I know I'm not the pastor, but I believe that we're all on the same sheet of music. We don't hate homosexuals. And we're not afraid of homosexuals. We just don't condone the lifestyle because it's inconsistent with the scriptures. Now, if there's anyone that hates homosexuals, you need to check your spirit. Because we talk about love. You can't have love and then scrutinize who you're going to love. That's not how God works. Amen? All right, stay with me now because I'm, I'm trying to, this is going to take some time and we're going to be wrapping it up next week because I'm not going to finish all this this week. I already know that. But it's important to understand that first and foremost that God made male and female. And so from the very beginning when that egg and when that you know that whole process the fertilization process takes place you're dealing with male or female that means man and woman now this whole homosexual thing is a spirit Anybody ever heard of the spirit of transference? Listen, if drugs can be transferred in the blood system, in the DNA, trust and believe spiritual influence can be transferred as well. That's why we got folks dealing with generational curses. Because spiritual influences are being passed on. Now, I'm not going to get too much into that because that's really a whole different subject. 
But we have to understand and distinguish and put in perspective. Homosexuality is not a gender. It's not a biological thing. It's a spiritual thing. If everything occurs the way God designed for it to be, there is no confusion. Now, a lot of folks, they will they will say that the reason why we have so many people that, you know, they're indoctrinating our kids now to say, hey, it's OK to be what you are. You know, it's OK to feel this way, so on and so forth. You remember back in the day when that was shunned? Here's what our society is trying to escape. Anything that has to do with sin is shameful. So what they're trying to do is do away with the shame. Because that makes me feel better when I'm not ashamed of what I say I'm choosing to be. Because it's inconsistent. See, the shame automatically comes because it's inconsistent with who I am supposed to be. Remember I told y'all before, it, every life has a purpose. So when God designed you, your purpose existed before you came into existence. That's why he made you. God is not reactionary. He's proactive. So before you came into existence, he already had a purpose for you, which means you came into existence to fulfill the purpose that preexisted you. So if that's the case... There should be no confusion. That means you are who you're supposed to be. But when the enemy has influence, it causes you to go against what God designed you to be. Then you start dealing with the conflict within yourself. When you start going against what God designed you to be, shame comes along with it. Because you got to make a conscious decision. You got to make a conscious decision to be homosexual. So it is not God's design for a man to be married to a man, a woman to be married to a woman. God's perfect design of marriage is one man and one woman. Notice I said one man, one woman. From the beginning, that was God's design. That's why he only made Eve. He didn't make Eve and Yvette and Eva and gave Adam three wives. Gave him one. All right. And y'all hear the jokes all the time. He didn't make, you know, Adam and Steve and all that. You know, we, we got it. All right. But it's important to now let me let me go further with this. Now that we established that, let's talk about a man. This is this is one of the things that has really been on my heart for quite some time. So there has been there there have been a lot of attempts to explain what a man should be. Can I tell you something? To be a man, by definition, requires you to be a male. At its simplest, it requires you to be a male. So your physiological makeup and all that's included 
when you develop from a boy or a child, you develop into a man. Your body goes through all its processes and changes and so on and so forth so that you develop into a man. So at its simplest, being a man is being a male, a grown male, an adult male. That's it's simple. But what needs to be defined is not so much being a man, but the character that a man should have. What did Paul say? He says, when I was a child, I spake as a child. He said, but when I became a man, oh, guess what? There was a change that happened because I recognize that I'm a man now. So being that I'm an adult, that means I need to develop and grow up. Because you've got some men that don't have the character of a man. So that's what we're addressing is not so much being a man. It's easy. I don't have to really control that. That's going to happen. If you grow, you a male, you a boy, you're going to grow up and become a man. But now that you are a man, Paul says, I put away, because I recognize I'm an adult male, So what does that mean, ladies and gentlemen? Now that I'm a man, and oh, by the way, if I'm a man that says I'm ready to commit to a woman in a relationship. Remember in the candy store when I wanted all the candy? Pick one. Remember at the toy store when... We wanted all the different Tonka toys and all the other stuff. That's the old stuff that they used to come out with. And there's probably some older stuff back then. Choose one. You don't like the red, you better choose the yellow, whichever one. But you better stick with one. Because you're putting away childish things. You know, that means it takes work. To develop your character as a man. And the same applies to women. You got some women out there that act like they can't make up their mind either. But you got to pick one. Now. Man and woman, man and woman, male and female, man and woman. What does it take to be a man? Grow up. You a male. You an adult male now. Congratulations. You just graduated. Now grow up. You know what? As I stand here and I'm, I'm, I'm expressing this stuff to you, there's a lot of times my mind goes back and I think about my own life. And the transition that God had to do with me to show me this stuff. I love it. A lot of the stuff I'm expressing to you is experience from for me what God has brought me through. So it's not a matter of I, I don't believe in that I'ma tell you something and then I'm not gonna live it. If every, with everything in me I'm trying to live what I'm telling to you. I'm not saying we gotta experience every downfall to no that's not that's not necessary. But we definitely should have enough relationship with God where we understand the importance of what he's telling us to do. How he's shaping us and molding us. And in this thing called marriage, it's very important. 
You know, if our marriages, this is, this is what's sad because today we have a lot of divorces and oh, by the way, it used to be just folks in the world. And we would have the testimony that if you, you know, you living for God, you in church, you know, you, but now we can't hardly do that anymore. Now I'm not here, I'm not bashing anybody because I, you know, whether I know people personally or not, that's, that's not the point. It's happening. But why is it happening? And there's a lot of reasons why that's happening. I mean, when you have a a spirit-filled child of God who says that they're gay, we've got some issues going on. Ultimately, it points to one thing, a disconnection from God. Whatever the situation is, it results, it, it really points to one thing, a, dis- a disconnection from God. So let's look at this thing called marriage, because marriage is a part of the ministry. This is where, this is where we've lost focus, I believe. We have somehow segregated marriage from the originator of marriage. Who established marriage? God, right? So how did marriage become separate from God? Let me tell you what I mean. So we encourage young people, some of us in society, it's okay to date. It's okay to date. As long as you don't, you know, go to some extent that you're not supposed to go to as long as you don't have sex you know it's okay to so let me ask you something what is the difference between being a friend then and knowing someone in the youth group but we are around as a youth group we're not exclusively away together by ourselves and being and dating and not having sex we're just talking what's really the difference what are you missing out on by just being friends. Why does it have to be an exclusive relationship? Why do I have to test the waters as a young person to see who I'm going to be with? This is an error. That's an error, and we are setting our young people up for failure when we encourage them to engage in a relationship like that because that was not something that was designed by God, that was designed by man. Test the waters to see who you're going to be with. I don't care how many people you date and how long you date them. You still may not know them and people change every day. So it's still not guaranteed. You think just because you spend a couple of nights going out to dinner with somebody, they just, you know what it took for them to prepare themselves to go out to dinner? That's a masquerade. So you still not getting a hundred percent real person. Where's your nappy head when you wake up in the morning? That's what I want to see at the dinner table. That's the re- look. That's what you. I'm not trying to be ugly, but that's what you wake up with every day. I've told you know I told my wife this, and not that she have a nappy head. That's not what I'm getting at. But, I gotta make sure.
But I used to always tell her, I'm okay with the natural. I don't have a problem with that. You see some of these people today, they got eyelashes a mile long. Probably 90% of them is fake. So when I see you at the dinner table and you just did all up and everything is all just so. So then what is that? As a woman, I should be thinking if I got common sense. Well, if I take all this stuff off, is he still going to love me? That's for those who wear all that stuff. Because, you know, Pentecostals, apostolics, we don't do that. I know I'm meddling. It's okay. I know. And I'm going to continue on because God told me to. As you take off, you know, I come home and, you know, I'm I'm with this same woman and she's taking off her nails and she's taking off her eyelashes, taking out her eyeballs and, and everything else, you know. No, I ain't going to do that. <clears throat> Take off your hair. This is one of those things. I mean, you know, this is what the young people are doing, though. You know, jewelry hanging, earlobe probably aching from all that mess. They got all this stuff on to go out for one night and make an impression. Like I told y'all before, I've told my kids, there's no reason to date. There's really no reason to date. I said, if you really want to look at dating, dating begins when you're engaged. So look at it that way. Because once you engaged, remember what I told you about the commitment that happens with an engagement in the Jewish culture. <clears throat> that's a big deal. And you're making a commitment not to between two people, but between two families. So they take that's a big deal. They take that seriously. And so should we. And when you engage, that means it's not a matter of, oh, I'm just waiting to see if you are the one during this time. It's more so preparation. You're just doing some preparatory things before the actual ceremony commences. But you have already you're already locked in. If our society took that for what it was worth. We probably have less of these issues that we have in the relationships. And we're going to talk about that in a moment. <clears throat> but it's, it's very important. Our young people should know that instead of going out and testing the waters, you need to seek the face of God. That's what our young people should be encouraged to do because the world is already encouraging them to do everything else but seek God. Look within yourselves. Look within your heart. It's all in your mind. You got it all in you. Well, if you ain't got Jesus in you, then there's nothing in you. 
You go off of your heart if you want to without Christ governing your heart. You're going to be crazy. Just as confused, meddling in all kinds of things, trying all kinds of things until you look at your life and it no longer has the value that it had before. So our young people need to be encouraged. <clears throat> I tell my children, when you were created, if it was it w- if it was God's will for you to be married, he's already prepared the one for you. Just like he did with Adam, he has your wife prepared for you. Now, the time that it takes for her to develop or him and for you to develop, y'all are developing in God. And as you grow in God, when you get to that point when God is ready in God's timing, he brings you together. Now, this is where that scripture, what God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Because at the climax of it, God is the adhesive to the relationship. So there are three parties involved in that relationship. You, your spouse, and God. God is the adhesive that drew you two together. And he glues you two together. How does that work? Well, before I am married, instead of seeking and testing the waters, my interest, my focus is on God, what he wants me to do. I'm trying to carry out his will, be in a position where he wants me to be, because by being in a position he wants me to be, I'm going to get the things that he has for me to get. And if that's marriage, then he's going to bring me and my wife together. Now, my desire is still toward God. That never changed. So when I get married, it's not that my focus has been readjusted. We are focused on God together because he's the one that brought us together. Some folks like to use that triangle uh, symbol to, to, to symbolize the relationship. When you have the relationship between you and your wife or your spouse, and then you have the relationship between you both and God. God is at the point. However you want to look at it, God should be the adhesive. So that means that no matter what happens with my wife, remember Job? Things were going good. You didn't hear nothing about what Job's wife did. We know she gave children. But the moment things got chaotic and Job lost all of his possessions and his children, what did his wife say? And what was his response to her? How could he respond that way to her if he didn't have a connection with God first? It does not matter who you are in the relationship God should be first because if God is first, he's the one that's going to keep the relationship the way it's supposed to be. Now, let me touch on something else because I might have been divorced. I might have had some relationship issues before I came to God. Some things might have transpired. Again, I say what God had joined together, let no man put asunder. Whatever condition you are in, when you come to God, God can repair the damage. So what? You're remarried. 
great. Now you come to God. So what does God do? He repairs the damage that exists and he joins you two together. If both of you are seeking the face of God, he's still able to join you two together. It may not be his perfect plan, but his permissive plan is still in effect in your life. Y'all all right? So folks that's walking around with regrets, oh, I should have stopped listening to everybody else and focus on God because he's the one that brings it all together. He's the one that perfects whatever the situation is. Some folks still living in the past and can't progress in life because they're still living in regret. Put away your regrets. Stop worrying about the past and what happened before and start focusing, like, like Paul says, on the prize before you. What's ahead of you? What does God want to do with you now? Because he's still willing to use you. Y'all okay? I'm trying, y'all. I'm trying. All right, let me address one more thing here with this marriage thing. So the ratio, 50-50, 80-20, some even go to say 100-100. So I hear folks say, yeah, you know, you go in a relationship, it's got to be 50-50. And some would, you know, some that say try to correct and say, no, it's got to be 100-100. I understand the concept behind it. I understand the concept. But here's my problem with the figures that are put out, because we are we are embedded in a society that is infatuated with measurement. Nearly everything is measured in our society. Here's my problem with the hundred, hundred, fifty, fifty, eighty, twenty, whatever figure you want to give. As an individual in the relationship, I might feel that I've given my hundred percent in my own perspective. But in all actuality, my hundred percent may only amount to sixty percent. Now, here's what happens. Going into the relationship with a measurement mentality... I am already expecting that when I reach my limitation, I'm expecting the other party to make up the difference. So they say, so what? Well, here's the problem. If I feel like they're not making up the difference, then I have an issue. There's a conflict. They don't measure up. This is how folks start getting into that point where I don't love them anymore. Why? Because they don't meet my expectations. Some people's expectations are just unrealistic. Some people looking for a physical man, an earthly man to marry that's, you know, Jesus. They just never had no sin, never had, you know, they just looking for that. He, he got to be tall, dark, handsome, you know, or short. Fat, you know, light skin, whatever. He gotta, he gotta be all this, and he gotta fit this category. Can't have no moles, no, you know, whatever. He can't be losing hair, receding hairline. He can't have none of that. Can't wear glasses. Here, let me say something with y'all. I, this made me laugh. It's not funny, but it made me laugh for for a second. 
I had an individual tell me how adamant they were about finding a man who did not have any children from a prior relationship. Now, everybody look at me like, okay, so what's the big deal? But the individual that said that has a child from a prior relationship. You see what I'm talking about? This is the way of the world. I had to, I was like, how? All right. I told the individual, I said, you're never going to find the one you're looking for. You can get mad, but it's the truth. Some folks' expectations are too high. And you set an expectation you can't even meet yourself. You want everybody else to be perfect, but that's that whole, you know, I, my 100%, I'm 100% because I do this, I do that, I do this. Some folks are, are, are real bent on fitness, and man, you know, you got some folks that will tell in a, before they get married, you got to, we agree we're going to look a certain way. This, this is real. I have people tell me this. We agree we're going to look a certain way, so we're going to keep our fitness. And they have issues when one stop. I had, a, I had a gentleman tell me this about his relationship. And I was like, I said, you wait a few years, man. He's still young. You'll see. Some folks' relationships, man, I wish I had more time. But some folks' relationships are built upon the wrong foundation, the wrong mentality. 80, 20, 50, 50, 100, 100. My 100 may not be your 100. My 100 may not even be 100. You get some folks base their relationships off of sexual immorality, physical attraction. So when you no longer look the way you used to, there's no substance to the relationship. When that should not have been what the relationship was based on to begin with. What I always say is that instead of saying 100-100, putting a measurement on it, why not just say, each party go into the relationship giving your best effort. That takes away the mentality of measurement and it puts the focus on the quality that you're putting into the relationship. You focus less on what the other party is giving to you and you focus more on what you're giving in to the relationship. Giving my best effort. Now that requires me to consider my ways even more rather than just getting to a point where I reach a limitation and say, well, I've done what was required of me. My best in every situation. Am I giving my best should always be the question. And if I can answer that question honestly, I guarantee you, you'll find yourself being more patient and tolerant with some of the things that we deal with in relationships. And oh, by the way, people of God, if I'm giving my best, that means I'm also giving it all to God. That means I'm trusting him with what I can't control. I can't control my wife. She's another individual. 
God never charged me to control her. You won't find that in the scripture. He charged me to be the head, to be an example, to be a leader, but I can't control her. Think of how many leaders you got the president right now still can't control everything that's going on in the country, can he? Chaos still breaking out in these states. Governors can't control everybody. But if I'm being a leader like I'm supposed to be. And this is what we're going to pick up next week because we're going to talk about the structure of the relationship, how it's supposed to be. And I hope you come with your hearts prepared, prayed up. We're going to talk a little bit more about that. And then we're going to talk about the perfect design between within our relationship between us and God. So we're going to talk about that. But just know. If we are giving our best effort in the relationship. Some relationships have been divided for far too long because of the wrong mentality. You got folks that live a divided life. If I've got separate everything, it's mine, it's not yours, yours is yours, mine is mine, so on and so forth. That is not the way God designed it to be. You remember the day when husband and wife show up to church together? That's how I live. I hate to leave my wife when we leave and come to church or when we leave and going away. If, unless I have to, I'd rather be right there. We drive two separate vehicles and I'm right there behind her. And we're driving together. Sometimes it makes me a little late to church and I don't like it. But you know what? My first priority, I'm making sure my family is good to go. That's my priority. That's my responsibility. How can I win the world and then I'm losing my family? How can I be effective in the church? I'm in there shouting and my, my wife is out there on the side of the road, van broke down. Because I just left. Well, I just. And some decisions are hard, hard choices you have to make if you're put in that position. But there's no reason why I shouldn't be doing things together with me and my wife as much as possible. We're going to come to church together. Whatever we can do, we're going to do together. We're serving God together. We should hope. Amen. Yeah. Folks can't sit down and talk about bills because we got I got my money over here and you got your money over there. Me and my wife, we sit down and we talk. And as soon as I figure out there's an issue, I say, OK, we can get through this. We need to sit down and discuss this together. Right. Come, let us reason separately. Together, right? This is what's killing us. We can't get unity in the church because we don't have unity in our homes. Charity begins where? Look, I'm sorry if some of y'all are uncomfortable with this, but this is what God wants me to say. This is, this is what's required. You can't get your own marriage together and unified. You're not going to be unified with God. So if you think you're going to stand before God and he says, come on in, even though you treated your husband or your wife like trash, even though you didn't really relate to them like I designed for you to do so, you were supposed to come together and become one. But because you haven't done that, how do you think you're going to come one with me? 
Read the scriptures because if you're trying to pray and progress in the things of God and you're not connecting with the one that God gave you, trust me, he already lets you know you better leave your gift at the altar and do what you're supposed to do and reconcile. Come together. Then God will begin to bless. Some folks can't get their children saved because their marriage is not what it's supposed to be. I'm I'm really not I'm not being ugly. This is what I'm supposed to say. We want God to bless, but then we don't want to do what God is telling us to do. The practical things, you know, God is concerned with every aspect. I know I'm going over my time. I really apologize. God is concerned with every aspect of our lives. Even what we consider practical or insignificant. We see it as not a big deal. God is saying this is the deal breaker. So. I now conclude for today. And we'll pick up next week. Listen, I love y'all. God loves you best. Let's go on in the things of God. Let's take a break and be prepared for dynamic service in Jesus name.